Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. A little bit of a casual Friday vibe around here, and I hope you're having a great Friday. We certainly are. And I think it was summed up so well by so many of the people in our comment sections on Facebook, YouTube, and all the other video channels last night that, you know, Georgia fans just needed some good news on the heels of the George Pickens injury. And, of course, we'll get there before we're done here today. Kirby Smart saying some pretty interesting things about Pickens yesterday. But Georgia fans just needed some good news in relationship to that. It's just obvious obviously a bummer when one of your top players goes down with a knee injury it's even worse for Pickens himself we acknowledge that but fans were looking forward to seeing him play and with his injury there's just kind of a you're just kind of disappointed about all that right and so you needed some good news and boy did you get it what a great night it was not just with Georgia getting a good player but Malachi Starkson's entire family on display last night just a really really beautiful scene as he chose Georgia over Clemson and Alabama and specifically Georgia over Clemson and more on that in a moment here, but just a great night all the way around for a young man that just really presented himself well for our Dog Nation video cameras last night. And he had plenty of fans before all this, but even more so now, a lot of energy around the idea that Malachi Starks is a pivotal bedrock member of this 2022 class uh, from Georgia. So let me kind of recap some of what went down with Malachi last night. First of all, in terms of, and I always love to hear this, What's the reaction from the head coach? When you announce that you're going to Georgia, what does Kirby Smart have to say about all that last night? This on our Dog Nation video channels in an interview with Jeff Suntell, who, by the way, will join us later on. This is what Malachi had to say about that. Here, take a listen. He said he was excited. He said he was hoping I would stay home. He said he thought he knew I was going to stay home. So just to be able to get to work with him, just help him develop me and be the best person I can be is going to be really fun. Two phrases jump out to me there on that. The idea of staying at home. We have talked a lot about the class of 2021 and how Georgia seemed to lean on that stay at home, play for your in-state team. That was a recipe for success with Georgia for its 2021 class. And it seems like that is also a recipe for success here with the class of 2022 as well. There are four five-star prospects currently in the state of Georgia for the class of 2022. Georgia now holds commitments from three of those four with Travis Hunter, the one holdout, on his way to Florida State. Other than that, though, Georgia dominating the five stars here in the state of Georgia for the class of 2022 and using the state at home vibe as a way of doing that. In Stark's case, this is more than just a Georgian staying at Georgia. This is, you know, Jefferson at this point in time is essentially an Athens suburb, if you will. And so this is even more of a hometown pull for him because of the fact that he's just down the road on 129 there from being in Athens as it is. So really big stuff. And the vibe that Georgia creates for Starks is more than about just geographic proximity. There's, you know, also a feeling that he was a valued prospect, someone that the program and the coaches in that program have great care for. And by the way, there's also the belief here that that this is a program that can develop him. You heard that word from Stark a moment, Starks a moment ago that, you know, and you look at DeAndre Baker as a Thorpe Award winner, J.R. Reed as a AP All-American, guys like Stokes and Campbell and, you know, uh, other cornerbacks in this year's draft, defensive backs are going to have NFL careers. Obviously a prime you know, part of what makes Malachi Starks a valuable prospect is what he might be able to do for you in a defensive secondary as a, you know, a safety or a star or something along those lines, that fifth defensive back. And obviously Kirby does have a pretty strong reputation for developing those kinds of players. And the audio that you heard a moment ago, it 
is fairly clear that Starks notices that. But as I said, it's also the thing that Starks notices of the way that Georgia valued him, made him feel like a priority. And ultimately, that was one of the things that seemingly won him over for Georgia. This is Malachi Starks once again. I didn't feel like another recruit, not saying that I did with Alabama Clemson, but Georgia made me feel like they actually wanted me, not that I was just some other five-star player who was just getting a jersey number. I and mean, that meant a lot to me. That was huge. And just to having that connection with all the coaches, because it's different when you just have one connection with one coach, but when you have connection with all the coaches, um, the whole coaching staff, it, it's, it's great. Those of us that cheer for Georgia, that like it when Georgia does well, we obviously you know, want Georgia to get the very best players it's capable of getting. But beyond that, when you have guys like that say, listen, this program made me feel like a priority. This program made me feel like I was going to val- be valued by them, matter to them when I arrive here. I think all of that is just incredibly good. And I think it gives you a even stronger sense of kind of, you know, just the, the overall chemistry and vibe that George is creating. I think Stark's words do a, a pretty good job of describing all that, telling the story of that. There was also this, and I think this is really interesting. That, as I mentioned a moment ago, when I think of Malachi Starks, maybe the thing that kind of pops to mind for me first and foremost is what he would be able to do at Georgia as a safety, the kind of thing you've been sort of seen him described as, or as potentially a, a fifth defensive back and kind of that star role, nickelback type role, that he's almost seemingly perfect for that potentially there as well. But if you watch his high school film there at Jefferson High School, a team that made the state finals in the 4A classification a year ago, you also see someone who's dynamic on the offensive side there as well. And it sounds like for Starks, his wish and maybe George's plan is to utilize him in both spots, both offense and defense. This, once again, really interesting for Malachi Starks. Take a listen. I want to do both just because I love both sides of the ball. I love where I play at. I love what I can do. I'm very confident in what I can do. So um, just to be able to have the opportunity to play both sides of the ball is, is huge. Would it be a running back? Or would it be a wildcat? What would it be? Um, I think you named about all of them. I talked to Coach Smart, and he said almost everything you just said. When I'm at defense, I'm going to be at safety. I'm going to move around a lot, play a little star. So um, that's, that's going to be great. It would be certainly great because, as we said before, he has shown that both sides of the ball at the high school level. It seems like that's something he wants to do at the college level, and he may very well get his chance to do that. No one denies the just the dynamic nature of his athleticism, and if anyone could do both sides of the ball at college, it certainly seems like Starks would be a candidate to be able to do that. Interesting to hear him speaking as clearly about that as he uh, did last night. Wildcat quarterback, wide receiver, running back, obviously multiple spots, potentially the defensive secondary. Very interesting to see. But then there's this, and this is really the kind of subject I want to kind of park on here for a couple of minutes. Starks last night, as the hats were on the table, chose Georgia over Alabama and Clemson. But the truth is, Alabama had probably been eliminated from this recruitment for quite some time. Starks told Dog Nation last week that he was down to two. He didn't want to reveal what those two were, but most people kind of assumed it was Georgia and Clemson that Starks would make his choice from last night, and Starks did confirm that. But here's the thing that Malachi Starks also said, that in the race of Georgia versus Clemson, apparently this is one that was, in his mind, a real tough deliberation, the kind of thing that he labored over when it comes to his decision, that Georgia may have won this recruiting battle last night, but Clemson had done everything necessary to make it close. Now, he's going to honor his commitment to UGA, but he did obviously acknowledge that, yeah, Clemson had certainly fought hard for his commitment and sold him something that he kind of believed in there as well. Once again, Malachi Starks on choosing Georgia over Clemson. 
I was really torn between Clemson and Georgia. I really was. A lot of people thought they had it figured out that it was Georgia. But um, I'm the type of person, once I'm in, I'm in. I'm 100% committed. So um, it's going to take a lot. So he also said last night on TV or that when it came to telling the Clemson coaches that he was not going to be coming there, he said this on our streaming video that you would have seen last night, it had you tuned in to watch, that the Clemson coaches, apparently maybe the Alabama coaches as well, told him that's okay, it's not National Signing Day yet, essentially insinuating their desire to continue recruiting him beyond this. And Starks had told Dog Nation a few days ago that he was still planning on taking his visits, even with committing to uh, George there last night. So we won't, certainly we don't fault him for wanting to do that. These guys have been waiting a long time for this opportunity to take visits. It's not a surprise that he's going to you know, exercise that right once the NCAA opens this up for this stuff to, be, to begin once again, presumably in June. But all of this, though, is such a huge reminder that two teams that are about to play each other on the field this September to start the 2021 season, Georgia and Clemson, rivalries from a huge nature, going back to my time as a child back in the 80s when Georgia and Clemson were playing every single season, big rivalries they were, rivals they were back then. I think it's, I think it's pretty obvious these two programs are now ready to be rivals once again both on the field, as I said, this September, and who knows, rematch potentially in the college football playoff. That is certainly a possibility, given the preseason rank that both these teams will have. But while we have to wait and see about that, the one thing we know for sure is, is that last night was a head-to-head win for Georgia over Clemson. And as Starks alluded to, it's not the kind of loss that Clemson's going to take lightly. They're going to do what they can to fight to get back in that. But then beyond that, there are also other pretty significant recruiting battles they're going to be waged between Georgia and Clemson here not just over the course of the next few months but over the course of the next couple of days because fresh off Malachi Starks doing what he did last night you've also got Jalen Walker on Sunday big time outside linebacker prospect one of the top 40 player should say top 50 players in the entire country he's out of the state of North Carolina he's set to announce his college commitment on Sunday now I'll show you this graphic on the screen for those of you watching on video you see the Alabama Ohio State Auburn UN see logos going on here but once again there are a lot of folks will tell you that it's the other two logos that you see there that might matter in this more than anything else both Georgia and Clemson now this one is one that's going to be probably pretty close there's some folks who've kind of talked up Clemson seems like there's a little bit of Georgia momentum as of late I think it's difficult to tell exactly where this is going to go but it's certainly worth your attention as uh, Walker says there on Twitter March 28th which is this Sunday I think that's worth kind of paying attention to. For Georgia, a chance to get another elite prospect, linebacker, a position of need for the class of 2022, but to also pick up what could be another head-to-head win versus Clemson in recruiting. The point here is, with Walker and Starks and all the other battles these programs are going to wage against each other, by the time these two teams see each other in the field come September, they are going to know each other pretty well. They will have gone head-to-head in recruiting many times, and what was once a rivalry in huge measure back in the 80s, here in the year of 2021, is starting to feel like a pretty big rivalry once again. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Kroger and Glad to have you with us. No matter how you get to us today, live on video, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all of the podcast platforms as well, Apple Player, Google Player, Spotify, WorldFamousDogNation.com. Many of you listen right there through SoundCloud. However you get to us, glad to have you with us today as we broadcast Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. And big thanks to Kroger for making this show all possible, you know. 
Of course, they're getting ready for Easter. Big stuff going on there with that. A lot of you getting back together again for Easter this year in a way that you maybe weren't not able to do a year ago. Take time to enjoy your family. Take time to appreciate them. Cherish every moment you get to be with your uh, loved ones this Easter. A chance for many of you to do that. Kroger.com slash Easter. Also, the website you want to go to to find out more about this. So you can... You know, get that holiday meal plan. They got recipe ideas there. There's also tip-offs about great savings for the stuff to go along with that meal or the stuff that goes in the Easter basket. The candy, the eggs, that little you know plastic sort of grass stuff that goes down there at the bottom of that. They got all of that right there at your local Kroger, and you can find out everything you need to know about that. Kroger.com slash Easter. That's Kroger.com slash Easter. Learn a lot more about all of that to, uh, today when you check out that website, Kroger.com slash Easter. Of course, it's great to have you here as a part of Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger today. Coming up in just a moment, a Friday staple for us. We'll talk more UGA recruiting, including more on Starks and Walker and everything else with Dog Nation's recruiting insider Jeff Sintel. That comes up in just a couple minutes' time today. Before that, though, let's go around the doghouse here just for a moment. And this is where I have to kind of like just slam on the brakes, right? A lot of momentum to start the show. Everybody's happy, feeling good about the Malachi Stark stuff. Preview of Jalen Walker. Boy, that's pretty interesting. Seems like there's a little bit of online chatter related to that. Who knows how that plays out on Sunday, but worth tuning in for to kind of find out. So all kinds of good stuff going on. But then honesty does compel you to admit that you got to deal with the George Pickens stuff here a little bit off the heels of his injury, his ACL injury. Kirby Smart did speak about that last night, but maybe even in the midst of this, also some hope here. And I want to oversell it and give you false hope, but the notion that just maybe George Pickens could return in a Georgia uniform maybe during the 2021 season, the door is at least open, according to Kirby Smart. This, he describes his initial reaction to the George Pickens injury, both in terms of what they'll do when he's not playing, and as I said before, the possibility that maybe once again here this season, he will be playing again for the Dogs. This is Kirby Smart. We had game, we played last year without George uh, for several games, and uh, I thought offensively we had – a good plan, you know, for Florida and happened to lose another receiver in that game. Uh, we had our opportunities against Florida and uh, he wasn't out there. So George will be dearly missed because he's talented. He works really hard. Um, you know, he, he, he makes our whole team better. And I know that's obvious in terms of what he does offensively, but he makes all the defensive backs better. So when you talk about challenging guys, there's no greater matchup for a young DB to go against than go against George. So, that, that part uh, we don't control, but what we do control is how we respond to it. And uh, George knows injuries are part of the game. And, uh, we'll have other guys step up, and uh, I'm very hopeful that uh, George gets well and is able to come back. So obviously everything that Smart says there along the way, we understand to be true, that Georgia did unfortunately get some experience with playing without him a season ago. And there are no shortages of – Guys who could potentially step up here this season. Yesterday, I hope you checked out Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger because we got a chance to hear from Terrence Edwards, the former Georgia receiver great, on that very topic of who he thinks could emerge while Pickens is sidelined. But you can't help but notice what Smart says there at the end. Pickens knows that injuries are part of the game, and maybe, just maybe, he could be back before all is said and done this season. That at least caused you to raise your eyebrow. Remember, Jason Swain, the former Tennessee wide receiver, said, hey, you know, there is precedent for guys rushing their way to get back and contribute for their team. You mentioned Amari Rodgers from Clemson going back to the 2019 season. That was on yesterday's show. You may have heard that there as well. So obviously when you hear Smart say, yeah, maybe there's a chance this is true. 
You want to know more about what he thinks about that. And Smart, thankfully, in yesterday's press conference, did go into a little bit more detail about just how optimistic he might be about the potential that Pickens could eventually return. Yeah, obviously, I think there's a chance he's back at 21. I mean, we've, we've had kids that have uh, ACL injuries. Um, I liken it to uh, Divide was an interesting case. I think Divide got his uh, – when he first got here, he was the third day of swing practice. Um, and, you know, he, he didn't know our defense, but he was going to help us. And um, he came out. I think he's cleared to go somewhere around Florida week. But the issue with Divide is he didn't know the defense. You know, the difference with George is – you know, he knows most of the offense and he's played longer, so he's a little older. But, uh, you know, all that's going to be dictated by Ron. We're not concerned with that right now. What we're concerned with a great surgery and a great rehab. He's got a long career ahead of him, talking about George. So that's going to be a situation where the doctors make that medical decision. I can assure you of this. Nobody in the country has had as many ACLs that they've had to work with. And I'm not talking about because we have a lot of them. I'm talking about because Ron Corson's been here since I was here. That's a long time. So he has seen a lot of ACLs. So I think that's, first of all, very important to point out that Georgia does have a top-notch medical staff working with Pickens through all of this. And I think the other thing that Smart points out there, which is that ultimately George Pickens' long-term football future is very important here too. No one's going to suggest that Pickens rush his way back at the expense of being even healthier in the future. And that obviously goes without saying, but I'll say it nonetheless. However, clearly, Pickens is a dynamic competitor. Clearly, he'd love, I'm assuming, the chance to compete here this upcoming season there as well. And medically, it's at least a possibility. So, on the heels of what was unquestionably bad news for Georgia this week, George Pickens' ACL injury, there's at least a couple of silver linings that should be paid attention to. The Georgia does have other playmakers that can step up, and eventually Pickens himself could have a chance to contribute still this season there as well if all goes well over the course of the next few months. So good stuff from Kirby Smart there last night. This is Around the Doghouse. Before we get Jeff Sintel, I'll remind you that to stay up to date on the very best coverage the Dog Nation has to offer, whether it be the Kirby Smart press conference you just heard from or great coverage of Malachi Starks last night, really the best way to get the most of that is by becoming a Dog Nation YouTube subscriber. The good thing about being a Dog Nation YouTube subscriber is you can set notifications to be made aware every time we go live. I mean, the Facebook has gotten a little bit um, unreliable on doing. YouTube's still pretty good when it comes to all of that. It's also all the press conference stuff. There's really more video coverage on YouTube than any of our other video platforms simply because we put all the press conference stuff and, of course, all the Dog Nation shows on there. We'll be live this afternoon for the second edition of Dog Nation Freeze Frame, a great analytical breakdown of where Georgia goes with its offense without George Pickens from our buddy John Stinchcomb, the uh, terrific former uh, Georgia All-American, uh, also a great football analyst. That's on the Dog Nation YouTube page today. But all of Dog Nation's top content on video is right there for you in the Dog Nation YouTube page. So become a Dog Nation subscriber on YouTube. And for those of you who've done that, we certainly appreciate you doing just that. All right, we're very busy on today's show. You hear us talking some recruiting there with Jalen Walker and Malachi Starks. We're going to get more on that. Also, very interesting news coming out of the SEC couple things we want to deal with and a pretty big controversy kind of outside the SEC that has dominated the college football conversation over the course of the last 24 hours I'll explain to you before we're done why that is also a pretty big factor here uh, for Georgia there as well based on some stuff they've dealt with in the past so uh, that is all, all on the way before we're done but for now on Malachi Starks on everything else related to UGA recruiting let's get ready to talk to Dog Nation's Jeff Sintel here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. 
from Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Certainly a fun one last night for Dog Nation with five-star athlete Malachi Starks, who says he wants to play on both sides of the ball there in Georgia, announcing his commitment from Jefferson, Georgia, near his high school there where he plays for the Dragons. And I always love these conversations because Jeff, who is frequently in the room for these kinds of things, is able to describe the vibe to us and really kind of give us a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look at all of this. So, Jeff, as we say good morning to you and welcome you into the show, I, I do have to ask, what was it like being there with Starks last night? Looks like a lot of his hometown friends, family, everything else had kind of gathered there in that room, of course, healthy and safely, of course, but a chance to get together and celebrate kind of a favorite son there for Jefferson. That's a town and an area I know pretty well, grew up very close to there for the most part. So what was it like being there in Jefferson last night as a hometown hero, got a chance to stay in his home state and announcing his intentions to play college ball for the dogs? Uh, first of all, Brandon, good morning. I hope, uh, hope Dog Nation is happy and a little bit healthier after that one. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, got, I got one, Brandon, I wanted to spring on you whenever Malachi finally made this decision. So, so if, if he ever, uh, not, not if, but when he's back there patrolling the back end of the defense for Georgia, are you going to think of, I'm, I've heard a bunch of these stories from a bunch of people, are you going to call him Malachi Speed Trap Starks? Because that's where, you know, lots of people tell me that commute, the pilgrimage to Athens Town on game days, you, you, you get in a little bit of trouble with a heavy foot right there. And maybe some SEC quarterbacks might get into some trouble if they try to throw deep his way. Yeah, I didn't mention that on the show last night. With all due respect to our friends there in that part of Jackson County, it is notorious for, you know, speed trap. Uh, I've gotten a ticket in arcade before. I think a lot of people have. And obviously through, going through downtown Jefferson, thankfully, you know, it's a little easier now because the highway is kind of rerouted so you don't go through downtown Jefferson like you used to on your way to Athens. But that used to be a tough road to be on. Very, very easy to uh, get a ticket going through downtown Jefferson there. Honesty did compel me to admit when I think of Jefferson, I mentioned this on last night's show, it is one of the first things I think about, just how easy it is to uh, go through Jefferson and end up with your wallet a little lighter because the foot was a little heavier than it should have been. Oh man, that's good. That's funny that you mentioned that on your program. Uh, you know, Brandon, honestly, I think you're handling that, that the right things to say there about that very well. But honestly, I think, you know, I grew up, my, my father was a truck driver. So my father told me all about all the speed traps around Georgia, Holly Springs. I mean, there's a ton of them, but, sure. um, you know, for me, that one was different because, you know, I was told the ceremony and events would start at, at 530. And then, you know, uh, Fox Five was, was had the program live, and they, they they would have a hit, and then they would have the decision would come sometime around six fifty. Malachi told me he was going to work without a script, but really the the five thirty thing. I know a lot of my readers had been reaching out, like, is there going to be like a program, like a, this is your life with a bunch of speeches, and you know, I, I didn't think Malachi was going to be part of any sort of pageant like uh, a five star decision prior, but. Really, it was just to get a seat, Brandon. I mean, that, that's really what it was. Yeah. You, you showed up, and um, it looked like all the seats were taken, even even for uh, myself and Connor Riley, who who dutifully tried to, to navigate um, navigate the fifty miles from the Dog Nation World Headquarters studios to Jefferson High Civic Center. Excuse me, Jefferson Civic Center in Jefferson, Georgia. And somehow, yesterday, I know a lot of you folks were in it, like we were. It took us about two hours and 20 minutes to go 50 miles. 
Um, so you get there, and we get there probably like an hour or so before everything starts. And man, there's really barely a seat in the house. There's Christmas lights up. There's balloons in all three colors. There's, uh, you know, basically banners on the table uh, announcing everything. And, you know, there's a lot of cool little details. I'm trying not to get too ahead of my skis because I've got a story about to drop on dognation.com. But, you know, there's a, there's about five things that you need to know about this decision that will, uh, that will certainly uh, raise an eyebrow or something like that. But I, I guess I needed to know, Brandon, since I was busy on scene, uh, did we get a chortle out of you this time? Did we get a heck yeah? Did we get a big grin? What, yeah. what happened during your stately broadcasting manner of covering that? I, I feel like we got something pretty close to a chortle on all of that. You know, I was joking with the audience. One of the big problems I have is, among many, of course, but one of the big problems I have is, is I am totally, completely colorblind. So one of the things you're obviously looking to do is get clues of how the family is dressed and kind of how Starks himself is dressed. And I was a little nervous because it seemed to me like Starks was wearing more of like a, a blue shirt, but I was afraid, wait, is that a purple shirt? You know, like I'm totally forced to guess when it comes to like all these colors. And I did see the balloons on the stage, at least one of which was orange. And I thought, well, is that a faded red in honor of his Jefferson Dragons color scheme or what's going on there? So you start looking around all these colors, you have a hard time kind of telling what's going on there on that. And then Starks, because, I, I mean, going into the ceremony, I was quietly optimistic that he would choose UGA. But then there's that great moment of, like, him pausing and the world goes quiet before he makes his announcement. He grabs the Georgia hat. Of course, we had all kinds of hat science folks on the uh, comment section last night trying to figure out the placement on all of that. Starks had kind of fiddled with the, uh, to use a Southern phrase, had kind of fiddled with the um, Clemson hat a little bit before, uh, you know, he made the pledge. And so there is that great, like, pit in your stomach right before he makes the announcement. It's one of the reasons why this is just such good drama, so much fun entertainment for so many of us. And so, yeah, I feel like I gave you something, if not quite an outright chortle, certainly a hearty laugh when Starks made his choice. It was great news last night. Yeah, definitely in a week that, that needs it. I think uh, one of the things, I don't know if your broadcast caught it or not, a little bit of color about that. Um, the, the head coach of the Jefferson Dragons, Gene Cathcart, really savvy play caller, really, really good leader of men. Um, he, uh, he, he was funny. Like, you always wondered, Brandon, and I'm going to, uh, hopefully there's a lot of people that feel the same way here. Doing what I do and, and, and you know, following commitments and making it my livelihood, uh, I've always wondered what kind of like Coach Eric Taylor would have done had he have done a Friday Night Lights commitment sure. ceremony, especially the way they are now. And everybody knows uh, the character Coach Eric Taylor is played by Kyle Chandler, Social Circle, went to Georgia, that sort of thing. But so there's Gene Cathcart before during the pre-show stuff, and he's holding the mic and he he says something that I thought, you know what? That's probably what Coach Taylor would say. He gets up and he says, I'm going to spoil the surprise for everyone right now. Malachi Starks, I know where he's committing, and I'm going to tell you right now, he's committing uh, to play this fall for the Jefferson Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> and you would imagine in terms, I know you're a very, a very astute man about reading rooms and you know going with the right flow and tone of the room. That was on point, pitch perfect, for what the head coach of the local ball team needed to say before this big moment. And then, Brandon, I don't know if you were able to follow. I got some text messages about it. Um, Kirby Smart was in the middle of his live Zoom with reporters, and he's checking his phone, just trying to make sure what's going on. 
and he kind of, you know, obviously he can't say anything, but anybody that follows Georgia for, could probably not need to be CSI dog nation to figure out what he was talking about. But um, he, I think he even, I was told he gave a big go dogs in the middle of his uh, press briefing last night. That's good stuff right there. Yeah, that was a, that was a fun thing to be able to see. Uh, thanks for pointing that out there as well. Two more quick things on Starks, and I want to talk about a couple other subjects here while we have the time. First of all, quickly, Starks did say last night that he wants to play on both sides of the ball. We obviously see him doing that at Jefferson. I think of him as kind of this classic safety in the Kirby Smart mold. How much do you think two-way player is a part of his college projection? Yeah, you know, Brandon, I think the best way, like, like, like look, look so far with, with Kirby Smart. What have we seen? Uh, we didn't see both at the same time with a lot of players. We didn't see both at the same with McCole Hardman. We saw a shifting. I guess I kind of go back to a, 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 this type of athlete, which would be the great Champ Bailey. And Champ had to really nail down safety and then corner and then progress to the offensive side of the ball. I, I think that would be, if it happens, the progression. First of all, Malachi Starks is kind of a, a is, is not the easiest projection to say, you know, how is he going to close down on defenders? How is he going to cover guys? And, you know, that's not the easiest projection because you don't see a lot of that on his film. He hasn't done a lot of camps or seven-on-sevens or passing leagues. Uh, what's really easy to see is he's special with the ball in his hand. So you think kick returner maybe, punt returner maybe. Um, but, but to me, you know, Champ had to have that migration. And for me, I think the needs for Malachi are much greater to help Georgia on the back end of the defense yeah. rather than another playmaker at wide receiver. Or You know, I, I know a lot of people like to put their smart pants on and they like to look at Malachi and think, Oh, that guy's going to be a going to be a, a linebacker one day. He'll have the ability to be a a hit and run, a chase linebacker. I mean, I, I think star might be the thing I'm really comfortable with, especially the way schools are expanding the definition of the star these days. You know, Adam Anderson is now qualifying as a star. You've seen Jermaine Johnson, um, you know, talked about that, or at least practiced about that, heard about practicing about that. So I I think I think that to me feels like. I feel to me that feels like a little bit of ahead of things to think of him as a linebacker. I see him. I see his frame. I see what the, the men in his family look like. I just don't see that big A-gap, B-gap, plugger, barrel-chested linebacker developing. You know, that was clear with Monty Rice, even with his size and stature. That's clear with N'Kobe Dean. Um, it's been clear with a lot of guys on their way to Georgia. I just don't know if his body is going to change that much. And, you know, folks, it doesn't have to because you're talking about um, I think our good buddy Connor Riley, as we were we were sitting on 85 uh, right near the flyover in Doraville, we were discussing every possible thing we could in the, in the mysteries of this world. And he wanted me to kind of pontificate a little bit on safeties and like what's the talent boat of safeties that have came into Georgia under SMART um, and really just defensive personnel. You think Tyson Campbell, you think Keely Ringo, you think Richard LeCount, and then you got to still kind of throw – um, even a Lewis scene and a Richard, I mean, a D'Angelo Gibbs in there because folks don't remember ESPN had Gibbs as a five star for the longest time. He did it on both sides of the ball, but Starks is in that is, is definitely in that classroom where you're calling roll. He's just a in a lot of in a lot of ways from those guys. He's just a bigger athlete, uh, and, and with the comparisons to LeCount and Scene and Gibbs, he's a faster athlete. Um, and, and he's a guy that's going to have a very, very, very great future at Georgia. Um, you just see the way people reacted to him 
I mean, I've written a million stories about Malachi Starks. I think, I think probably the only thing we could say bad about him on these airways is that he doesn't listen to Dog Nation daily every day because he's kind of got things to do. Sure. And uh, sometimes it's sometimes at school he's going to ask his, he's going to ask his coaches and trainers if he can borrow some water uh, so he can uh, hydrate himself during the course of the day. But you want to talk about, and I'm not going to say these words lightly, a first class human being that's going to go and represent Jefferson, the city of Jefferson, Jefferson High School, and now the University of Georgia, that is one Malachi Starks. All right, a couple other things here really quick. The other thing I kind of mentioned about Starks is it's kind of a continuation of what is obviously a flourishing rivalry between Georgia and Clemson right now. These two teams are going to play each other on the field this September. This was a head-to-head battle here that Georgia was – Based on the sound of things, lucky to win. It sounds like Clemson worked hard to make this close, and Starks has also certainly alluded to the fact that Clemson's not waving the white flag on this recruitment just because Starks picked UGA last night. And that theme continues in this weekend there as well with Jalen Walker getting ready to announce his commitment on Sunday from his home state there in North Carolina. Big-time linebacker prospect, good-looking, you know, four-star, top-50 type recruit here in the uh, country. You know, this is another one of these Georgia-Clemson battles. They won't be the only hats on the table, so to speak, but I think there's a lot of smart money that says, you know, Georgia or Clemson here for Walker. I guess two things. First of all, you know, give me your thumbnail sketch where things stand in kind of the Georgia-Clemson head-to-head for elite recruits right now. It seems like we're doing this a good bit here over the course of the last few years. And also a little bit of specific thoughts on Walker individually. Yeah, so Brandon, you just get right to it. I think – I guess the word is quietly. Uh, I do think this is a Georgia-Clemson battle, but quietly, and I think a lot of people have noticed maybe some of our coverage on Jalen Walker over the last few months is, uh, you know, I, I've really felt for the longest time that Georgia's in this one with uh, with Jalen Walker. I think there are a lot of reasons for me that seem clear why he would choose Georgia. Um, so that one's going to be very interesting to watch over the weekend. He makes his decision. Uh, right around 2.15 on, on, on Sunday. It's got a big day for him, big weekend for Brandon. Like, we all like to think we're really busy with activities. Well, he's playing a football game on Friday. This is That would be tonight. I'll get my days in a row here. Uh, he's got a club on his hand, which is he suffered an injury, but he's still playing super well with it, Brandon. There's a highlight from last weekend or so where uh, he's got that club from a, on a hand, a wrist injury on one hand. Still playing linebacker, still carrying the ball on offense, but he kind of pitchforks a ball that's on the ground on defense, scoops it and scores it with one hand, uh, running down the sideline from about 60, 70, 80 yards out. Wow. But, so that, that's his Friday. Now, with Saturday, his father is the head coach at Division II Catawba College in Salisbury, North Carolina. So they're going to have, a, I think it's either their home opener or one of their first really big home games for Catawba College. Uh, uh, his father... Curtis Walker, All-American linebacker at Catawba. I still remember those stories. He telling me, like, if he would have had the chance to go play uh, college football at the level he desired, it was going to be his. It would have been his choice to go play for Georgia. Georgia had similar colors uh, as, as he did growing up. But he always reiterates to me that it's his son's move. It's his son's decision. Jalen Walker is the young man I, we've written about that wants to be an orthodontist. He's already job shadowing orthodontists. Uh, and for me, I've been doing this a while. I, I've been covering guys that wanted to be a podiatrist, an archaeologist. Um, this is my first orthodontist, especially out of an all-American linebacker. He's the guy that wants to rattle some teeth uh, in his 20s and 30s and then straighten them in his late 30s and 40s. 
Um, Jalen Walker, Under Armour All-American. There might be some things to read on our side about Jalen Walker uh, over the weekend, kind of previewing that decision. Good stuff there on that. And you mentioned a good point that I just completely forget, which is that North Carolina, the state of high school football, is going on right now. As you said, he's playing this Friday night, and that's true for a lot of these you know, North Carolina prospects we'll discuss. Their season's actually ongoing. Jeff, that completely had slipped my mind that they're still playing fo- or actually just now starting to play football in the state of North Carolina after not playing this past fall. Yeah, you know, Brandon, a great little note or bit to share about Jalen. These are things that only superhumans can do. Like, like Brandon can probably bang out a Dog Nation daily. He can do a freeze frame. He can do an SEC country. Uh, and he can also take care of a soccer practice with his kids during the course of the day. But Jalen Walker, guys, this is what he did now. He, he would go to football practice. You know, that Salisbury, North Carolina is a good team, got playoff aspirations. He would go to football practice for about two weeks, three weeks here this this winter, and he would go through the ground, go through that, and really just kind of dash through the airport, so to speak, or the, the locker room this time, uh, get his get his sneakers on, get his basketball clothes on, get out of his pads, and then he would go practice basketball for a team that? which was thriving in the North Carolina State playoffs. Uh, and he did he did that for a number of weeks, and there was it was funny because the the trainer at the school. Uh, would be the person that gave authorization for only a few select players that could handle both and that could do both. And there was Jalen Walker, double duty with football practice in the spring for a football season coming up, and then he would have basketball practice after that, the gassers, the rotations, the conditioning, everything that goes along with that. Um, and he would have that right after that, and that's a, a 5,000, 6,000-calorie burn day at least. So can I, can he I, was able to do that. Can I interrupt for one second and just say this, and this is one of those moments where you have to kind of keep it real. You know, a lot of folks here in the South think the biggest rivalry is between, like, say, Auburn and Alabama or Duke and North Carolina and, you know, something along those lines. The honest truth is, Jeff, and I think if you search the corners of your mind, you'll agree with this, the actual biggest rivalry in the South may be between high school football coaches and high school basketball coaches in terms of what the elite talent is at a school are doing at any given time. There are a lot of football coaches that worry about basketball because of the you know propensity for ankle injuries and things like that. So I won't pretend to know what's going up there in Salisbury, North Carolina, related to this. All I'll say is blanket statement here. I'm sure it leads to some very interesting conversations amongst coaches is about who's doing what with both of these, uh, you know, uh, sports taking place at the same time there like that. Yeah, he he told me it was very tiring. It's something that obviously he couldn't keep it up. But, you know, that's kind of like that. Remember those stories about primetime Deion Sanders, yeah. how we would helicopter, helicopter rides, yeah. doing all that? Well, for, for, for a young man, especially an aspiring young man like Jalen Walker, always has great grades as well. Uh, for him to try that on and excel at doing that. I mean, eventually uh, in the North Carolina State basketball playoffs, his team got eliminated. But, you know, Jalen's about 6'3", about 220. Uh, he's a guy that um, probably like 10, 15 years ago would have been seen as an outside linebacker. Now he's more of a more of an edge guy. But for Jalen, Jalen's a guy that, I mean, his his bio is going to read pretty long here, Brandon, which is what Georgia, why Georgia recruits these guys. I mean, I, I, I know stories of him winning dunk contests, jumping over teammates in the ninth grade, um, and this is a guy that will put his hands down and, or at least uh, get, get his knuckles bloody, uh, going to play linebacker in either the ACC or the SEC, and, and very quietly. Like you know, to me, 
you know, I guess what we say, we you can bird dog a story and your ears can get popped up when when he was scheduled to make a trip to Georgia to watch Georgia play Vanderbilt of all teams in the fall, and because uh, he needed to see really his core schools in his top six, and that game got canceled. Well, Jalen Walker and his family still made that trip to Georgia. They still got the family pictures in front of Stanford Stadium, and it was kind of like it was kind of weird, Brendan. He was in the bookstore. And he shared a picture of him taking a picture in the bookstore next to the Georgia mannequin, which, which to me was kind of weird because he was bigger than the mannequin. Yeah. And he, we, we think of all of our, like, eight-year-old kids or sons right. taking those pictures in the bookstore. Yeah, and here was, a, here was an Under Armour All-American that was almost as tall as the mannequin that was on a pedestal. All right, let me do – I don't want to keep you too long, but I do want to hit a couple other topics here. And we can do these in somewhat rapid-fire fashion if you want to. Interesting developments this past weekend with Walter Nolan, the five-star defensive tackle out of Tennessee. Jeff, this is not – I have to just completely be honest here. This has not really been a name that I had on my radar for Georgia. He's obviously one of the top players in the country, but we talk about so many defensive linemen that I thought Georgia was fairly content with the ones that we have kind of – talked about before Nolan's a big time prospect but I just sort of had him penciled in elsewhere all of a sudden now and folks should read the story that you have up at dognation.com dating back to the event last week at Denmark High School I mean how serious should I take the the idea that Nolan is on Georgia's radar that Georgia is on Nolan's radar Brandon you should take that very seriously okay. I mean I'm, I've got a I've got a t-shirt for you okay Brandon there's gonna be a, there's gonna be a part in our program and First of all, Walter Nolan is going to befuddle you because he tells me he's going to take this thing all the way to February of 2022. There you go. Uh, and it's going to go on forever. But you're going to, you're going to say these words to me. I'm going to, I'm going to, let's mark this down. Let's, 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 let's bookmark the tape here. Brandon, you're going to say to me, Jeff, I think George is going after too many defensive linemen here. We're, <laughs> can we, uh, can, can, can we afford to fit? Can Georgia afford to fit all these defensive linemen in the class? Cause, you got some names, Brandon, and you know, should Georgia um, should Georgia get it done with uh, Jalen Walker? I think that's only going to open the eyes for Georgia with five-star Travis Shaw, okay. who's also in the wow. state of North Carolina. Wow. And, and you're going to start counting, and you're going to go, okay, Jeff, hold on a second. Bear Alexander, you were content with just worrying about holding on to Bear Alexander. I've told folks for a while that I think Big Bear is very firmly in the fold. Tyree West. And then you start going, you know, Mikel Williams, you start going Christian Miller, then you got Walter Nolan in here, and then you're like, how in the world is Georgia going to – I mean, like, there, there's the thought, Brandon, that what Trey Scott is trying to do in 2022, you can use the words incredible, yeah. unforeseen, unbelievable. Brandon, when in the ever did you think you would we would ever have a discussion on your on your program and on this air today that you're thinking – Oh, my gosh, Jeff. Georgia's just in it with too many of these five-star defensive tackles. I can't handle all this. But listen, Jeff, I've been trying to tell my audience about Trey Scott for two years now. This is a guy that has completely turned the corner and in terms of being just one of just the galvanizing forces for this program. I mean, Trey Scott is on the shortest of short lists when it comes to getting it done at the elite level from a recruiting standpoint. So if any UGA assistant right now is going to be cleaning house, I'm not surprised at Scott because that's pretty much what he's been doing as of late. I mean, you listen to Nolan, and Nolan was like, okay, Nolan in front of a ton of reporters, and then Nolan afterward when I kind of caught him one-on-one, he's like, man, George is getting an official. I know that for sure. And he started rolling off the things of what he's looking for, and he kept tracing it back to Georgia. He, he talked about Kirby Smart. He talked about Trevion Scott. 
He, he thinks Georgia has the baddest defensive line in the country. He'd certainly like to be a part of that. And then he made the notion, Brandon, I know this is one of your, you know, microscope type comments. He, he, he said, you know, normally a lot of the top guys all want to go shine somewhere else, but we've actually all been talking about going, to, going together to the same place to do something special. And, you know, Brandon, I'm, I, I, listen, I'm going to be the most contrarian, crudgy old reporter, uh, that would ever say, bah, you know, humbug, package deal. Not going to believe it. Not going to take it down the road. Not going to fall for it again for the 18th year in a row. You just hear, you just report what you hear, and then sometimes you set aside what you hear and you say, you put it through the meat grinder and you go, is this passing the sniff test? And a lot of this is passing the sniff test about how, uh, and whether it's the AAU basketball culture or the seven on seven culture, it seems like a lot of these guys just want to go pair up and be on a boss team like LeBron and go do damage somewhere. And that's what you keep hearing a lot from all these young men. Okay, very, very quick, because we are going super long here, and I don't necessarily mean to, but I want to do two quick things before we uh, let you go. First of all, this, how much fun is it to see these official tweets coming out from Georgia touting official visits for the month of June? That is certainly welcome sight to my eyes. I sight for sore eyes, if you will, after a lot of lack of normalcy. The fact that Georgia's out there bragging about June visits, a lot of big-time in-state names taking those visits, Jeff, I got to tell you, I, I love to see it, man. That's really, really fun. Sounds very calculated. I know that a lot of the early restrictions is you can't bring 50, 50 recruits and their families onto campus, and it seems like Georgia is probably going to err on the side of caution and err on the side of efficiency, where they're just going to bring in high value offensive targets, get them all together, and start building that bond. That you know, this is just a different class, Brandon. The last two, man. It's a lot of times when you talk to these kids, they, they really don't know as much about the class as their predecessors have in years gone by. And you're like, oh, no, no, you know that guy, right? And he's like, no, who's that guy? And, and normally these are the guys that they would be chilling in the barbershop now or hanging out in the lounge uh, at Butts Mirror in the new complex that's going up that they'd have known each other from a, a, a season. And now they're finally going to get this in June for their officials and and there's a lot of big names, a lot of big names that are going to go in that first week of June. You're going to have uh, Young Stockton supposed to be there, Delp, Antwi, Addison Nichols, uh, Denylon Morissette. Um, this has been hinted at to me for a while, and uh, you know, I guess it became uh, graphic fa- famous and graphic official, official edit official um, over the last couple of weeks. All right, very, very quick before we let you go. I don't have a fancy graphic for this, but I, I did want to just squeeze this in. Our show's probably been the boy that's cried wolf on transfer portal defensive backs this this uh, offseason. Every name that pops in there, we've made a big deal about. I do think Tyke Smith, the latest to come in there uh, to the transfer portal, at this time out of West Virginia once again, All-American, guy that's gotten a lot of praise, Thorpe Award semifinalist, but also gotten some social media love from Georgia players such as Lewis Seen and Zamir White. I would humbly suggest, Jeff, that the Tyke Smith transfer portal arrival may be a little bit more more worthy of paying attention to than some of these other transfer portal names that we've probably taken the head fake on uh, would you would you join me in saying that yeah i think there's a little bit more uh, smoke to that one brandon first of all when the the first reports of transferring defensive backs were coming out of west virginia i was kind of like nope i don't know if that's the one that people should should really uh have some consternation about but i think this one is you see on some um, lists out there that he was one of the top 25, top 30 players in all of college football last year. And then you have a little bit of the crossed fingers emojis coming with names like Lewis Seen, who would be a back-end partner potentially with Mr. Smith, and then Zamir White. 
Uh, you know, a lot of people characterize him differently. I remember seeing him when he went to the openings. I remember seeing him, and uh, this guy is a, first of all, I think that doesn't he have more uh, starts than just about every other member of the Georgia secondary combined? Um, that's a lot of that playing experience that a, a school like Georgia would like to pull in. And, you know, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, you look at Georgia's numbers and they have the room to, to bring in another impact guy. But and I'm sure you'd rather you'd – rather, you had your druthers, you'd rather the transfer portal give us something on the offensive side of the ball at the X receiver position. But um, sometimes it might just give us something on the defensive ball again. And, again, whatever Georgia has not been able to do the last three or four years, they have a premium brand defensive reputation among these recruits and also the current players in college football. Jeff, terrific stuff. I appreciate you spending as much time with us today as you have. Obviously, a lot of news to get to, and as you said before, we'll all be watching very closely at Dog Nation this weekend for what goes down there with Jalen Walker, and who knows, recruiting surprises coming left and right uh, this time of year, heading towards that visit season this summer. Man, it is fun to be talking about this kind of stuff, and Jeff, I appreciate all your coverage of it. Last night was a blast, and certainly, Jeff, today a lot of fun there, too. Thanks for being with us on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. All right, Brandon. Hey, good talking to you as always, buddy. And let's all avoid those speed traps, right, man? No doubt about that, Jeff. We'll talk to you soon. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Well, you can decide for yourself if that was good or not, but it was certainly long, as long as we've gone with Jeff there in a while. So really, really fun stuff all the way around. And by the way, it's a fun day of video here on the Dog Nation video channels because this afternoon, 3 p.m., the return of Dog Nation freeze frame. I love working with John Stinchcomb. John is just a good guy, kind of breaking down the sport, and we don't give John enough space to be able to do that because typically, let's let's face it, on our show, it's you know reacting to my you know dumb hot takes and things like that. So why not create another show where you can kind of give him a chance to really kind of show off his football mind? This is a guy that's you know called games on TV and done a lot of that kind of stuff. Obviously, as a former you know college NFL high level player, coach, personal coach that he has been. He just has a lot of insight on things like this. So John's going to share some of that with us. Dog Nation freeze frame today, 3 p.m. A specific look at one of the big guys that could step up in the absence of George Pickens. This is going to be fascinating today, 3 p.m. Dog Nation video channels for Dog Nation freeze frame. Let me also give a quick shout out before we roll through our SEC through here. Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. You know, you got NCAA tournament action this weekend, Sweet 16 games tomorrow and Sunday. And guess what? You can get your action down on those games at the book. Sports gaming now off and running at Harris Cherokee Casino Resort and the Harris Cherokee Valley River property there as well. Both two-hour drive from Atlanta, both with the gourmet restaurants and the world-class spa, the luxurious shopping, and just really an entirely reimagined gaming floor, social distance, everything else. This is a tremendous entertainment venue just a great getaway. You need one of those. So find out more about this. Caesars.com slash Harris-Cherokee. That's Caesars.com slash Harris-Cherokee. Find out what you need to know about Harris-Cherokee Casino Resort. Most importantly, how to plan your visit to either the original property or Harris-Cherokee Valley River and get some action down on the tournament games this weekend. How about that? By the way, speaking of the tournament, let me give you a little bit of a preview of this because if you're like me, you're like just scrambling to figure out when these games are on. It's just a very, I mean, my entire life, it was like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then you got the Final Four. This year's tournament's been completely different because of all the social distancing and everything else. So no tournament action last night, no tournament action tonight. We have kind of a, I'm going to use a big word here for a moment. Y'all buckle your seatbelts. 
kind of a truncated version of our Sweet 16 this year with loaded day, four games on Saturday, and then four more on Sunday. So quickly, the darling underdogs, uh, Loyola Chicago, take on another big-time underdog, Oregon State. You got Baylor-Villanova in a 1-5 game. The lone SEC team playing Saturday is Arkansas, hosting a team that I've obviously fallen in love with. Much of our audience there has well. Oral Roberts, I think a really good story. Obviously fun because they beat Florida in the last round. Arkansas is a pretty good SEC team, though, so that'll be fun to see. Then the Sunday, you also have Houston-Syracuse on Saturday there as well. Another Sweet 16 run for Jim Beheim's club. Sunday, Gonzaga, who may be unbeatable against Creighton. Michigan-Florida State's a very good game. Remember, this is a Florida State team that had you had a tournament a year ago. Leonard Hamilton's bunch may have cut down the nets, and they've obviously advanced to the Sweet 16 here. Bama, the lone SEC team on Sunday against UCLA. A lot of folks wondering if Alabama could actually eventually give Gonzaga run for its money. Then finally, you got USC and Oregon, a Pac-12 matchup. That is the final game of the Sweet 16 coming on Sunday night. So tournament action on Saturday and Sunday, four Sweet 16 uh, games, and we'll be uh, you know off and running with an Elite Eight after that. So uh, pretty interesting stuff there related to the NCAA tournament there this weekend. Did you see this? Do you remember Elijah Moore? Obviously, Elijah Moore's had a great career as an Ole Miss wide receiver. And he's about to make himself some money, you would seem, at the NFL level as well. Running a 4-3-4-40 and now having some folks wondering, does that level of speed from him open up the door that he could potentially be a first-round pick? Maybe it does. Obviously, we've seen former Ole Miss receivers going to have success at the NFL level the last couple of years. Elijah Moore would just be the next in line when it comes to all of that. But obviously, for many Georgia fans, what they think of when they think of is Moore is a former UGA commit as part of the class of 2017. And it sort of seems like, you don't really like talking about this out loud, but certainly it sort of seems like that maybe Georgia kind of moved on from Moore to make room for other recruits, deciding that maybe Moore's best chance at playing time was to go somewhere else. You kind of wonder, just given the way the wide receiver play for Georgia's been the last couple of years, if Kirby Smart regrets that decision at all. Maybe there was a misvaluation of Moore. Maybe Moore was just developed at Ole Miss because of you know, whatever went on there. But this is one of those instances which, you know, Georgia had its chances at Moore, seemingly decided it liked other players better. And in this case, Elijah Moore has gone on to be a pretty impressive player there at the college level and certainly the kind of guy that's going to be on NFL draft radars to an even greater degree now because of the 40-yard dash that he has uh, recently run here. And then finally, there's this. This is outside the SEC, but it's something I wanted to make sure I took time to mention. So Lincoln Riley has come under fire, the Oklahoma coach, because of a transfer quarterback out of his program that's gone to TCU that Riley has not released from his commitment yet. And for the most part, for now at least anyway, Riley's pretty steadfast about not wanting to do this. The quarterback, interestingly enough, is Chandler Morris, the son of Chad Morris, the now Auburn offense coordinator, former former uh, Arkansas head coach. So that's the quarterback, if, if you care about that. But what people are kind of angry about is, the fact that Morris wants to go TCU and the fact that Oklahoma doesn't want to allow him to do that. And a lot of folks are saying, well, this is unfair. But but in Lincoln Riley's case, he's saying that he's not a believer in intra-conference transfers, a guy going from one program to another within the conference, which has obviously been a hot-button issue for the SEC. I've said before that I'm not in favor of immediate eligibility for intra-conference transfers either. Now, I said related to Rick Gilbert, if it's going to be allowed for other programs, then George ought to have a chance to benefit from it too. But largely speaking, I'm a big believer that making an intra-conference transfer wait before having immediate eligibility is not some egregious act, not some completely unfair thing. 
listen, you don't have a sport without rules. And having a couple of rules and holding on to those rules, remaining steadfast with those rules, there's nothing wrong with that. That's how you maintain the integrity and the stability of your sport. Let's face it. There are a lot of radical elements in the college football media, and there's no doubt those folks' favorite coach is Lincoln Riley. So the fact that Riley is the one stepping up and arguing for the 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 transfer rule and the and the prohibition on immediate eligibility for intra-conference transfers, I think in a roundabout way, may end up being a good thing. Listen, I'm all for giving players the freedom to to rethink a college choice if they feel like they made a bad choice. I want to be as pro-player as I can, but not at the expense of the rules that kind of hold the sport together. So in this case, count me on the side of Lincoln Riley, something I haven't always said when it comes to issues in this sport, and maybe thankfully Riley, because so many people do respect him, at least in the kind of the media element, maybe this will help bring some sanity back to this discussion a little bit. Anyway, that's a story worth following. We'll make that your SEC through. And as we wrap up here today and wrap up the week, certainly appreciate all of you being with us. Let's, let's see if we can go out in style here. First of all, Gator Hater Roll Call. We do our Golden Shoe winner. I This today is not gold uh, Gator related, but it is certainly funny, and that's a lot of times what our Golden Shoe ends up being. Forestry Dog in our uh, comment section at dognation.com said, B.A., you got to talk about the Vols wearing bras, he says. And if you see the photo here, and Tennessee shared this, and a couple of the folks there have there as well, it is almost like a sports bra-looking thing for the football team, and there's like an apparatus inside that's like a GPS system, whatever else. I have to say that this is a little bit of a weird look. I, I would kind of agree with Forestry Dog on that. This has gotten a lot of attention on social media. So I'll uh, give Forestry Dog a shout-out here on this and make him the golden shoe winner here for today. Also, speaking of those lousy, stinking gators, how about 218 days from right now? Georgia goes back to Jacksonville. We think gets a win over Florida. We'll make that our Gator Hater Countdown. See tomorrow, or I should say Monday, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. And on the podcast, time now for our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. We went very long with today's show, so I'm going to try to keep this really, really short. So I still appreciate your comments, though, whether you're hitting me up on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily or in the comments section there at DogNation.com. And certainly appreciate my friends at R.S. Andrews making all this possible, air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric. You can find them online at rsandrews.com. Doug Maddox writes on Twitter to say, if the injury that Pickens has sustained does keep him from playing at all this season, does he ever play a snap for Georgia ever again? And I think it's a great question. It's obviously one of the pivotal questions. You heard Kirby Smart weighing in on with his optimism about that a little earlier on the show. Here's what I'll say is that Pickens should think about his future. Obviously, George is going to help him think about that. They know he'll be playing football well beyond just this 2021 season for the Dogs into the NFL was what I mean by that. But people should also understand this. There are some guys that don't need a calculated reason to want to play. They want to play because they love to play. They are true, fiery competitors. And we've seen Pickens. We've seen that kind of guy from him. I'm not telling him that's what he should do, but I would suggest there's a chance that may be what he wants to do, that he may truly want to be one of these guys who wants to come back, be a part of this team again, because let's face it, if Georgia is as fun this season as we think it can be with you know, JT Daniels at quarterback once again with Todd Munkin now in his second year as offensive coordinator with other weapons across the board. You'll remember David Pollock has called them weapons palooza, all the different weapons in the arsenal potentially for Georgia to use. That's the kind of thing that people just like to be a part of. You don't need a reason to want to do it. You just want to do it because you love the game. And that may be one of the things that attracts Pickens to come back this year. 
his injury recovery may take a little longer than we think. And maybe by the time it's all said and done, it's not at that point in time something he chooses to do. And if that's the case, I'll respect that choice. But I won't be surprised if George Pickens does decide to come back and play this year for simply no other reason than he's a competitor, he loves the game, and he wants to be with players and teammates that he's certainly grown close to over the course of these last couple of years. I think it's a great question. It's obviously one we'll all be watching to see the answer to very, very closely in the months to come. We appreciate you being a part of our R.S. Andrews podcast cool down here today. As I said before, check them out online at rsandrews.com. Hope all of you have a great weekend. Thanks for making this show uh, a part of your life here each and every week. Certainly appreciate that. And as I said before, hope you do enjoy your weekend. I'll see you back here on Monday for more of Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger.